Hi, this is Dave Summers, and welcome to AMA Edgewise. Isaac Sokolik is the founder of Star CIO, and he's been named a top social CIO and leader by the Huffington Post and Forbes. He's held CIO positions at Greenwich Associates, McGraw-Hill Construction, and Business Week, and he's the author of a new book that's published by Amicom, Division of the American Management Association. The title of the book is Driving Digital, The Leader's Guide to Business Transformation Through Technology. Isaac, this is a cool topic. I forget where it was. I think I was at this Fast Company conference uh, maybe three, four years ago. And one of the people who was on this, it was a panel discussion. And again, it had to do with this whole enabling technology, what the web is doing to everything, how the web is changing everything, whatever. And there was some person on the panel, and I don't know if it was with Major League Baseball. It was, it was a, an incredibly diverse panel. Some guy from Major League Baseball was up there. And there was also somebody from... I think The Gap or something like that, J. Crew, I forget exactly. But one of these people was basically had people come to him and complain to him, sort of the, the, the traditional executives in his company would come to him after he'd make this case for new enabling technology and whatever, and they'd be like, we're not a technology company. We sell jeans. We sell this. We do that. We're not, we're not a technology company. We like, you know, baseball games and stuff like that. We're not. And his response was, and this was back then even, and it becomes more and more, it was like, everybody's a technology company. Everything you do, all the ways that you touch your customer, you impact them, these customer experiences now are enabled by technology. So I don't care if you like make cider and donuts, you know what I mean? You have a technology component to how to, how you go to market and you interact with customers, you know, and partners and stuff like that. Yeah, that's right. If you look at consumers today, they have a ton of choice and they've gotten used to choices and conveniences. They've gotten used to doing more with technology. They've done it on their desktops and laptops. They've done it on tablets and mobile. And that enables them to explore and look at new ways of doing things, particularly since we're all crunched for time. And so it's very easy, particularly in established industries, to say, you know, we have high switching costs. We have loyal customers, particularly in media and retail, who, you know, media going to your magazine and going to your books and going to your newspaper or retail going into your mall and say people are going to continue to want to do what they've been doing for their entire lives, going to stores and reading their papers. And what digital says is for a breed of customers that grows over time, there are new ways for them to consume or to transact, and they get better over time. And the technology gets accessible not only to startups who from the outset believe and know they are technology companies, but then from early adopters within the industries themselves that go out and experiment and think through how to build a mobile experience or think through how to capture a lot more data around what the user is doing and use it in a safe, private way to understand how to service them better. Or maybe they're putting beacons in their stores to, again, service customers a lot different. And so that combination of new entrants, choice, accessibility of technology, falling price points because of the innate growth in competition creates a recipe for transformation. Mm -hmm. And so then it's a race. It's a race for who can build the best experience, who can leverage analytics to be smarter about how they're servicing customers, who can be hyper more efficient, 
right? So if you look at my background from newspapers, it wasn't just about creating websites and mobile experiences and going to social experiences and collaborative. It was going from a production process that was hyper print focused to one that's digital and fast and going from long form content that took, you know, a month or two to publish to content that we have to put up three, four times a day. Big transformations in how people are operating that they need to take advantage of. Do you find that most CIOs that you meet, people at the the most senior level in a company that are responsible for enabling technology and data associated with that technology, is it your experience that most of them get it and the challenges for them to convince other senior leaders or even some of those folks, are they still kind of a little bit slow on the draw? It's it's 2017. You know what I mean? What's your story? Well, I think if you asked that question three or four years ago, my response would have been they don't get it. You know, and they get parts of it. They get cloud and move out of the data center. They understand the security impacts in terms of more access and how do you lock down and protect the enterprise. They understand mobile. So they understood the things that were technology-based. They understood a little bit about building applications out. They were just starting to understand what you asked about before, how to become a software company and how to build customer-facing technologies and how to really do analytics. So if you look at this today, most of them get it. When I go to conferences and I speak, they get that they need to be doing a lot more with their business. They need to be strategic. They need multi-year plans, but have to execute quickly. But most of them are still learning how to do it. Mm -hmm. Most of them understood, for example, how to run an agile process, right? Right. How to really start putting iterative improvements in their application delivery, right. but they may not have understood how to align with the business and use that to deliver multiple products that are now customer facing, sure. or even roadmaps sure. that illustrate to a board or to a CEO that they can go from one product to a platform to multiple products and really improve customer experiences. So I think today they get it, but I think many of them are still learning how to execute. Right. It's the doing it. You know, anyone can pick up an airline magazine, you know what I mean, and see, here's the solution. You know, here's the software as a service or the company I should be partnering with. And the CEO is still doing that, right? The CEO is picking up the magazine and seeing what a competitor in their space is doing, what a startup is able to do very quickly, Mm -hmm. what somebody in a completely different market is doing to infringe and walk into their market and compete with them. And they're going back to their CIOs and asking them, How do we do more Mm -hmm. innovation? Mm -hmm. How do we go faster? How do I bring more analytics to the organization? Sure. And so that was part of the impetus when I thought about it to actually go out and put some of this into a book. Is part of this sort of lessons learned from startups or startup thinking where Agile was played a huge role and, and continues to, but also this kind of fail fast approach, the sort of the value of prototyping, you know, things you can touch and break and stuff like that. Does it have at least part of its roots in that? Absolutely. I mean, I think part of the reason that I've been successful doing transformation type of exercises is that my background's in startups. So how do you take what startups do intrinsically, which is agile and learning and moving fast and really bringing it to an enterprise that might have all the analytics capabilities or all the smartness, but needs to move faster to be competitive? That's the nature of how things are running today. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of lessons learned. 
Mm-hmm. I've been doing this for quite some time. You can't just show up at an enterprise and start putting new programs <laughs> in place and expect yeah. people to execute How to them. win friends and influence people there, you know? Show, yeah. Show you up know, with your big ideas. Well, you have to show up and, you know, usually you need to find people who are going to embrace change, who are ready to do something different, who want to learn who are ready to teach. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really important factor because getting a few people doing it who aren't able to bring other people along for the process and teach them how to do things, mm-hmm. you get stagnant at that point. It's also going back to others who hold key positions and being influential with them and mm-hmm. explaining that this isn't a one-time transformation. This is something that's going to be ongoing for a good number of years, that it's going to change the way the business is operating. Sure. It's going to change how they see their jobs and how they even see their careers and walking them through that because there's a lot of people in today's industries who've been doing the same thing the same way for a very long period of time Mm -hmm. and for them digital is disruptive Mm -hmm. i think one of the first things you spoke about into that first question i hit you with was this idea of transformation transformation keeps coming up when i'm speaking to you about transformational type of thinking transformation or transformational type of thinking can be a very scary concept for a lot of people. How do you get people over that fear hump? You know what I mean? Because fear is human nature. You know what I mean? Change, of course, being what it is. But when you throw a word like transformation at them, it's like there's fear and then there's like deer in the headlights. This is evolution that we're talking about. Right. But it can also be eye-opening, right? You start with a few very key tenants. And one of them is to go out and really understand the competitive landscape and really understand and talk to your customers and understand what it is that they like about how you interact with them and your products and services and what some of the other new opportunities, what are some new technologies they're working with, who are their partners. You talk to a whole new set of customers or prospects and figure out the same thing. You look at new markets and you bring a bunch of people who have been with the company for a long period of time executives all the way down to employees, right? So you ask them, drop rank at the door. We're going to have an open conversation around what this business, what this company, what this set of products might be five to 10 years from now without any inhibition or legacy holding you back. Rethink the basis. What does it look like if a new entrant came into the space and rethought it from a startup ground up without any of the underlying issues that a company faces on a day-to-day basis and gets to rewrite history. Mm -hmm. And so that often rejuvenates a lot of people and it gets them thinking. Gets them excited. It builds the passion. It addresses the the fear thing with excitement, with optimism. Yes. And then you add a couple more things. You need to go do a full analysis of how your business is operating. That could be a little bit painful, right? You have to understand the P&L and who your top customers are and really do surveys and understand Mm -hmm. what parts of your products are really working well because you don't want to completely lose your existing revenue streams. You need to transform those experiences to an immersive mix of digital and physical experiences and keep the attributes of what's working in the existing practice into a new one, right? And then then the fun begins also again because then you need to go out and experiment. Mm -hmm. You can't just come up with this grand vision and say, we're going to spend the next three years building toward our grand vision and we're going to have 80% of the company running and operating the way we are today, and 20% go out and innovate. We try to do it that way. What you need to do is a series of experiments that grow 
over time and get you more understanding of how a customer or a group of customers interact, Mm -hmm. get you understanding of the underlying business process that goes with it, and then learn from those experiments. I don't call it fail fast. Okay, I call it learn quickly and adopt, right? Nobody wants to fail fast. We understand the culture of not blaming someone for trying something and it not working the way they originally But we got expected. smarter from that experiment. That's right. We got smarter from that experiment. We said, here's what we intended to learn. Here's what we learned. Here's what we thought we might do. Here's what we're recommending that we do. And then you make a business decision. Do you want to continue down that path or do you want to pit it? I won't get into conversations about exactly how old you are, exactly how old I am, uh, but but I did pass through the late 80s, early 90s sort of phase of re-engineering, business process re-engineering and all that other stuff. And although some of that seemed kind of cumbersome at the time, I was struck by some great takeaways with thinking about things in a systematic way, by mapping processes, by figuring out where the redundancies were by figuring out how to normalize databases and stuff like that. Is that still a useful activity? Should people still be thinking that way, deconstructing processes? Absolutely, right? So especially for an internal way of how you're operating, right? If you don't have a baseline of how things are working today, you don't have a way to educate people who are doing those jobs today and saying, here's what you were doing before, here's what we're going to be doing going forward, You don't have a way of looking at an underlying process and say, here's how technology can go and automate something. And there's far more available technologies today to automate. There's Mm -hmm. artificial intelligence. There's robotic processes. There's outsourcing that's still an option. So there's a lot of ways to take things that were built five, ten years ago Mm -hmm. and completely make them more efficient. And in some cases, you need to go even a step higher and ask questions, is this still relevant? Right. Are these steps that we're doing, are these quality checks, are these things that we're doing process-wise still relevant, or is there a completely different way of doing it? So once you understand your strategy, Mm -hmm. and once you understand where you're going, Mm -hmm. then yes, you have to go back and revisit how you're operating and do a transition off of that. You had mentioned a couple times this issue of being recognized as the business that has brought a new capability or has changed or something like that and is noticeable, made history, I think was a term you actually Mm -hmm. had used or something like that. How important is this whole first mover or first person to claim the high ground first thing? Because I could give you examples of, you know, alternate technologies or solutions or customer experiences that weren't first. That's right. You know what I mean? They might have been second. They might have been third. But they weren't first. And they're masters of the universe right now. Any any thinking about that? Well, I think you have to understand your culture and your capability. If you have a culture and capability that can move really fast, that's aggressive, that can put a lot of money toward things and make big mistakes – and you have a culture that can take advantage in a business process that can take advantage of being an early mover, mm-hmm. then play that card and run with it. Sure. Right? And it's not just about being able to execute technically. It's the entire marketing program that needs to go along with the advantage of being a first mover. If you don't have that, you might be a better second or third runner, right? mm-hmm. one that can learn by example one that can use a lot of analytics to find niches where you can excel. And so that card also works well. Sure. You know, my favorite transformation example is a company called Garmin. We all know who Garmin is. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. You had their devices in yeah. your car yeah. until Apple and Google came yep. out with free driving experiences, free mapping experiences. Yep. 
and you did not need to spend 100 to $200 in their car. Mm-hmm. And so their core business evaporated overnight. And so if you look at what they've done, they've gone more into aviation where there's a niche. They've gone into boating where there's a niche. They weren't the first to build wearables, but they have a pretty sizable wearable. My daughter has one, and she loves it. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of trail runner. No, great example of a company that had to transform. They would not be in business if they stayed with auto as their primary outlet for their technology. They had to pivot. They were not first in any of these markets Mm -hmm. that I just described, and they have a growing business now. Every now and then I'm struck by, and I think we have Apple to blame for this, (laughs) for better or for worse, right? We have so much... Right? We have so much to blame Apple for. But this idea of putting an I in front of everything or an E in front of everything. And arguably, I could, I could say putting a digital in front of everything. You know, Aren't we get rapidly approaching a point where I understand your book is called Driving Digital. But aren't we getting to a point where we're going to stop saying E and we're going to stop saying I? Yeah. You know what I mean? And we're, and we're even, I think, maybe getting to a point where we're going to stop saying digital and it'll just be, this is business today. You know, this is work today. This is getting stuff done. Yeah. Uh, well, the industry and media in particular needs to put phrases and labels around things. And if it's not something new and it doesn't have a new name off of it. It's hard to drive interest readership. It's hard to drive people to buy products because if you're just selling web or web Mm 2.0, right, and I'm going through the generations, or data integration and not calling it something different. AI. AI. Well, I was doing AI back in grad school days, 20 years ago. I mean, what's different about AI today is not just the algorithm, it's the ability to get to cloud computing. It's the ability to leverage libraries from Watson and Google and Microsoft. So you're not hard coding neural networks. You're actually applying a business problem to it and applying a data set to it. So yes, there's a lot new. Yes, we need some new terms around it, but some of the practices are different. Now, I was asked at a conference just this week saying, is there really something different about this decades of transformation versus the last decade, right? So we had Web 2.0, we had mobile, we had cloud, we had all these building components that suggested businesses had to change the way they were operating mm-hmm. and technologists and CIO had to have a new game plan and put out some new technologies. And you can make the argument that that's true today, mm-hmm. right? So we're moving cloud, we're going agile, we're putting analytics up. If you're in financial services, you're going into blockchain. If you're in retail, you're thinking about a digital in retail immersive experience. All that's true. But what's really different is when you start aggregating all those capabilities together, when you put in the fact that customers have lots of choice and will switch when there's a tremendous convenience to them. That's the impact of Apple and I and E, that the impact is the ability to personalize experiences so much that it doesn't matter what I have today. I'm willing to go look at something different tomorrow. And so that's what's different today. And just to wrap up, I think I'm safe in saying that the primary audience for this program are are people who are either new to management, new to leadership, new to being a supervisor, or, or aspiring to leadership. What's for the new manager or the aspiring leader in your book? I've used a set of practices over the last 20 years, 10 in particular, while I was CIO at three different companies, that enabled three different businesses that needed to turn around and transform to have a basis of doing product and technology. 
And they weren't repeated exactly the same way every time. There were just a collection of recipes that I applied and tweaked and repurposed and adopted to the culture and the nuances of that business. I've been blogging about it for a good number of years. And the more I talked about it, the more I educated people about it, the more I learned about it, I understood that there was a large market for people who really needed to understand this better. Now, in some cases, as you asked earlier, CIOs are stunning to get it, but their lieutenants may not get it, right? So you might be running a data center, but not understand how to really adopt the cloud and use things like DevOps to make you run faster. Mm-hmm. You might be building lots of enterprise applications, but just starting to build customer-facing applications, and you need to build an entire product management capability that does market research, that considers different product capabilities, that does user experience and user design, that does testing, Mm -hmm. and that brings an agile experience to the development group to actually go and build product out. You might have a software development team that over time has done agile, but are they ready to understand how to estimate and provide feedback back to the business so that they have a better understanding of how to get to a minimal viable product, or how to take a couple of ideas and build a roadmap around it. You might have a portfolio of lots of legacy that you have to adopt over time and build the capability of shifting your finances from legacy items to modernizing items. You might want to be soliciting ideas from your organization. What are the best ideas from new employees coming out of college, looking at what we do as a business and finding and experimenting around them and in short time take those ideas and act like a startup and bring them to market very quickly. That's the essence of the book. And it is written from any perspective. I think CIOs will learn from it. I think they will relate to it. I think chief digital officers will relate to it. But if you're a head of app dev, if you're a head of operations, if you're running a PMO, if you're a product manager, you're going to gain a lot from it. My background, I became a CTO in under five years. I went from school to software development to head of app dev to a CTO in five years. I think that's the career aspiration of many people who come out of engineering and MBA programs. And they want to go fast. They're hyper accomplished, but they don't have necessarily the benefit of a lot of industrial experience. So this is a playbook that they can go learn from and understand the practices that can take them from a knowledge base to one that they could use to execute. We've been speaking to Isaac Sekolik. He's author of Driving Digital, The Leader's Guide to Business Transformation Through Technology, published by Amicom, Division of the American Management Association. Isaac, this is really cool stuff. Good luck with the book. Thank you. AMA webcasts bring you 60 minutes of thought-provoking insight, specific answers to your management challenges, and conversations with renowned thought leaders. Best of all, they're all free. For a complete schedule of upcoming webcasts, visit the events calendar at amanet.org forward slash events. in this program or if you have any comments and questions you'd like to loop back with us on we can be reached at a phone number 212-903-8090 or by email at edgewise at aminet.org that's 
edgewise at amanet.org.